Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, as we see this, uh, what came to my mind was uh, the, the bracelets that we used to have, which was WWJD. Everybody in here knows those bracelets of what would Jesus do? I, I seen a kid just yesterday, we were at a ball, a ball, a ball thing, and the girl, a girl came up and she was talking to her friends and she said the exact thing. Somebody had said something bad or they had done something wrong and she said, what would Jesus do? And I'm like, that's exactly right. That is the, the premise of that bracelet to remind us what would Jesus do in certain situations. Charles Sheldon is the one that came up with a book in his steps in the 1800s that came up with that premise. In the 90s, produced a bracelet. Many today have war. Many today have put it on their wrist. Many today in those moments would say, what would Jesus do? And I, 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 I think we have a problem, though, because I believe right here on Hillcrest Baptist Church on a Sunday morning, there is a lot of people that have put on a bracelet, but they have not put on Christ. Amen? There's a lot of us that put on a medallion, or there's a lot of us that put on this show of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, the world is okay with the world's view of Jesus. As long as you don't talk about sin, as long as you don't talk about a changed life, as long as you don't talk about coming in repentance, as long as you don't talk about the things that upset people, people are okay with your Jesus. As long as you talk about grace and as long as you talk about mercy and as long as you talk about all the things in which we love, I'm okay with your Jesus. But Jesus is so much more than that. Jesus came and died for sin. He came and died so the people could be set free from their sin. He came and showed an example of his holiness and his righteousness, and we got to take all of God or none at all. Amen? So many today are wearing church but not Christ. But Paul gives us a strong challenge to how believers should be walking in this day and age. If we are truly going to see people saved and make an impact for Jesus, we need to examine ourselves and see if we are walking as Christ wants us to be. Your example this morning is not the person beside you. Your example this morning is not even your mom or your dad or even the greatest believer that you have ever known in your life. They are not your example. They are not the ones that you are looking to. The one that you are looking to is in glory, and his name is Jesus. Amen? And when we all of a sudden start to quit looking at people, and we start to quit looking at their walk, and we start to look at Jesus and who he is, you know what happens? The more that I know him, the more I learn to love him. Amen? And we are in a constant walk of growing towards Jesus. This, 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 this false ideal of, of Jesus is going to leave us in our filth and he's okay with it, I believe is complete false. God saved us to use us, to sanctify us, to become more and more like Jesus every single day of our life. And that's what I want you to understand today. Are you growing towards Jesus? I'm not saying that you've got to be an Apostle Paul today, but are you growing towards Jesus are you, this is where you were when you were saved and you might just be here, but you better be moving towards Jesus, amen? If you're moving away from Christ, you're moving in a whole different direction and it don't make sense. Every single one of us should be climbing towards Jesus every single day. A little bit different today than I was yesterday, amen? 
God saved us to sanctify us to use us. Verse 1 through 2, it says, Be ye therefore followers of God. Be ye followers of God. That is not a suggestion, is it? It says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. If you belong to Jesus today and you are his child, I I know we've gotten that crooked too in our society where children no longer have to obey their parents. That don't go for the Christian, amen? We are called to obey our Father which is in heaven. He is our Father and he's given us the guideline of which we should live. And it is not our choice of whether we're going to serve him or not. Guys, he wants us to love him and to serve him. And for anybody that looks at God and says, I don't want anything to do with you after I have been saved, after this person has been saved, just doesn't make any sense. But he says, be a command, a follower, an imitator of Jesus Christ. That's what he means there. Therefore, followers of God, imitators of God. What are we to be imitating? If I ask every single one of you this morning, what are some qualities of Jesus? We could sit here all day long and, and just, just testify of all the qualities of Jesus. We would probably say things like grace. Amen. I'm saved by grace, aren't you? We would say things like mercy. Oh, I'm so happy that God uh, didn't give me what I deserve. We would talk about his compassion. We would talk about his forgiveness. Amen. We would talk about how he was a servant. We would talk about how he was humble. We would talk about how he was just. We would talk about how he is full of truth. We would talk about his righteousness. And we would talk about his holiness. You see, so many times we stop at the beginning and we don't go all the way to the end. Amen. But he is all of those things. And we are to be imitators of him. We are to be imitators of what God wants us to be. In verse 2, he says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Romans 5, 8 says, But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How has God showed love to you? So many times we look and we're like, the world's just treating me bad and I'm not getting what I want and it's not going right and I just want to shake my fist that I'm not getting the life that I deserve. Let me tell you something, you deserve hell. I deserved hell. I deserved an eternity in hell because of my separation of Jesus, the sin in which I had bestowed. Me, not you, me. I'm a liar, I'm a cheat, I'm a, I, I'm a coveter, I am all of these things, guys. And when I put myself in the view of Jesus, of how good and holy he is, you know what it makes me? It makes me a wretch. It makes me realize that, man, I know my mama told me that I was good, but I'm not good in the eyes of Jesus. And neither are you. Each and every single one of us are not who our parents say we are. We're not who our spouse says that we are. We're not who mom and dad or anybody says that we are. We are who Jesus says that we are. And the cross is an offense. We have forgotten that. We think that the way that we reach the world is by pandering to their sin. 
But the last I have realized and that I've known all my life, the cross is an offense. It is my job not to judge people, but it is my job to point people to Jesus who can save them from their sin. And we have forgotten that. We've started to think, well, that's not what, that's not going to save people. Yes, it does. That's the gospel. You can't have the good news of Jesus unless you have the bad news of sin. It is very simple, but yet we have forgotten that. How did Jesus show love to each and every single one of you? He saved you. He gave you hope. He gave you meaning. He gave you a reason for your existence in your life. What do we have without him? What do you have today without God? What do you have today if you take God out of your life? What do you have? Nothing. You are no more than an accident sitting in that pew this morning. You are no more worth the dirt on the ground. You are no more, you are just a random speck in existence without God. What a joke that is. And you say, well, Brandon, there's so many people that believe that, that we are just an accident, that we were just exploded and we just become. There's something in every single person's heart that says that is a lie. And there is something in each and every single heart in this room that tells us that we are here for reason, that we are here for meaning, and that we are here for a bigger purpose than just living in this random place. Guys, God loves us. And he loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for our sin. And on the cross, he made a way with the greatest uh, the greatest thing of love that anybody could ever bestow on people that don't deserve it. And that he died for us. And you know what happens? Something amazing happens when you realize that you're a sinner. Something amazing happens when you realize that you're a sinner and that you uh, can only be saved by Jesus and that he's the only way and that he's the only chance that we got. And when we come to trust in only Jesus to save us, something wonderful happens. It creates in us a new heart that desires the things of God. Do you have a new heart this morning that desires the things of God, that wants to go towards holiness, that wants to be godly, that wants to strive to be like Jesus? First Peter says, Do not be conformed to the former lust, which were yours in your ignorance. I remember when I was ignorant. But, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So we want to leave out those kind of words. We want to leave out those things. But Jesus makes a change in us that makes us want holiness. The world doesn't want that. The world, when they're in darkness and before they know Jesus and they're dead in their sins, they don't want holiness. And they look at you like you're crazy. Why in the world do you want to live for this Jesus? Why in the world do you want to live different? Why in the world do you don't even make no sense? I grew up in it. I was saved when I was 14, and I, I remember the days when I would grow up in high school, and I remember my friends would always tell me, why in the world don't you want to live as we want to? You're missing out. 
You're missing out on what the world has to offer. And I believe the church has started to get infiltrated so much with that view that we think that we can have Jesus and the world at the same time. And we think that it is our entitlement to be able to live and to do as we want to do. That's false. That is a lie. God does not want that. He says, if you have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ this morning, you are to be set apart and you are to be striving towards holiness because he is our father. We want to be like him. I don't want to be like the ones that he saved me from. I want to be like him. We can love, though, because he first loved us. Because of what he has done for us, his love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, 5 says, Strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man in order to be filled up with the fullness of God. I don't believe... I, guys, I've, been, I've lived a life apart from Jesus for a time. I've lived in a place where I shouldn't have been, but I'm telling you, I had God calling me back the entire time, and I was in misery when I was living there. But I remember that time. It is very hard to show up on a Sunday morning in church and be living in sin and to also be connected with the Holy Spirit. So many times we wouldn't even know the Holy Spirit if He was, it's in the head, because of the way that we're living. We've shut him out. And we start to say, well, God, why ain't you doing this in my life? He is. You're not listening. We're not listening. It's not that God isn't trying to move. He is. But, guys, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. When we, before Jesus saved us, we were bankrupt, we were wretched, and we were outcast. But God redeemed us and created in us something new. Verse 3 through 7. It says, but fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you that has become saints. Well, that throws out this argument of living as the world, doesn't it? It says, but fornication and uncleanliness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you that has become a saint. We become saints when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. That veil was torn from top to bottom and we can go straight to Jesus ourselves. Amen? Through prayer, he is, we are connected with him. We are saints. But God says, don't let those things be named among you, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather we should be giving of thanks. For this you know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. That's tough, ain't it? As much as I wanted to get up this morning and just... I'm like, Lord, I don't get to preach very often on a Sunday morning, and I'm excited and... As much as I wanted this to be a, a, a yipping and a hollering and a just, just bragging on Jesus kind of sermon and filling you full of excitement and all these things, I, that's what I wanted to do this morning. But that's the truth. That, in God's Word, is the truth. And I hope and I pray that you see that when, by the end of this we can celebrate even though that we might be in darkness, we can have life today because of Jesus. 
Verse 8, it says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now you are the light in the world, light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. In verse 8, as we see these sins that God is saying, He's saying, Do not partake in these. Those were your past. Those were the darkness. Those were the old man. He says, do not partake. Saints, do not partake in that mess. Guys, that's what's killing our churches is because of so much sin in our lives. I hate sin, and so should you, and so should all of us that have been saved. Sin should be something that we want rid of. It's killing us. We don't even realize how much it's killing us, but it's killing us. It's killing your spirit. It's killing your joy. It's killing your peace. It's killing absolutely everything that God has for you. And so many times we're like, but, but, but Lord, if I get rid of this sin, I'm going to have to make it public. Amen. Make it public. I don't care. Get rid of sin. Don't let sin tie you down what Jesus died for to set you free. And that is exactly what we're doing in today's world. We're continuing to be locked up by sin instead of trusting Jesus with it. But I've learned a long time ago, when you are struggling with sin and sin is eating up your life, each and every single one of us in this room has probably dealt with it from time to time. It could be pride. It could be lust. It could be any of these things. Every single one of us have those things in our hearts that we struggle with. I don't struggle with drinking. I have never in a million years even wanted to drink. But I struggle with certain things. You say, well, Brandon, I don't struggle with what you struggle with. But I struggle with this. Each and every single one of us in this room has that old man, that old flesh that Satan would love to remind you of. That, that, that dark place in which he can still dig. And don't you remember this? Don't you remember these times? Don't you remember those moments? Don't you remember? Why don't you just come on back to where I had you? And so many times Christians fight that because our, as much as we're trying to live for Jesus and we're, we're excited about Jesus and we're ready to live for Jesus, all of a sudden that road starts to uh, blend in together. And all of a sudden that, that yellow line gets a little closer and a little closer, and before you know it, we're straddling it. We got our world, and we got God, but the thing is, if you are saved here today, you are not fit for the world. You are only fit for Jesus, and you are never going to have joy and peace in your life until you go all in for Christ. Amen? And so many times, Christians say, man, I used to have joy in this drinking I used to have joy in running around. I used to have joy in all these things. Let me tell you something, my friend. If you no longer have joy in those things, that's an amen, hallelujah, because God's got something different and new for you, amen? He's got his life that he has for you, and you're, the only way you're ever going to be happy and joyful is all in for Jesus. Because when we got saved, that's what we did. We surrendered it all to Jesus. We said, Jesus, I am yours. So we belong to him. But yet so many Christians are hanging on for dear life. Lord, I've given you a little bit. I've given you just a, my lip service. I've given you what I want to give you. And we're hanging on for dear life. Let go. Go all in. Let God have you. Let him have your life. Let him use you. Let him use your ability. Let him use your talents. 
Let him use what he's created in you, the things that he has given you. Give them to Jesus. A true believer, though, can't live in darkness. There's times, in, and guys, that we struggle, but we can't live there. That's not a place in which we live. God and filth do not mix together. A believer who will be convicted by the light, a believer will be convicted by the light. Jesus is not, I get to heaven in the world too. The opposite of holy living. Sin is making so many people unproductive. And I wholly believe that there's people that have been where I was at a certain time in your walk. Where you say, I want to live for Jesus today. But I'm absolutely covered up in this mess that I've allowed myself to get into. And in that moment, Satan is going to lie to you like only Satan can lie. And he's going to say, I got you right where I want you. I have you exactly where I want you to be. Don't, 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 you don't need to go forward. You don't need to let loose of these things. You don't need to tell your wife. You don't need to tell your husband. You don't need to get these relationships right. You don't need to do it. You just stay right where you are. Maybe this, the other person will come to you. Maybe, maybe they'll just come and approach you. Maybe they will do all those things. No. There comes a time in our life where we got to want the things of God more than the world. And if we got to reap the consequences of our sin, that's what we'll have to reap. But I'm going to tell you, you'll set, be set free at the end. Amen? Amen? And there comes times in our life, guys, that we have got to want the things of God more. And if that means that I'm willing to go to my wife and tell her I'm struggling, I'm going to go to the one God has given me and tell, tell her that I'm struggling. That means that I'm going to go to men of God and say, you know what, I need you to pray with me. I need an accountability partner. I'm going to you because I'm sick of this stuff. I'm going to go to my husband and say that I'm struggling because I'm sick and tired of feeling the way that I'm feeling because of sin. I'm going to be set free from this mess because I want to live for Jesus. And there's people in this room that have got to make that decision. Is it Jesus or is it the world? And I hope and I pray that today you say, I'm ready to be set free from the darkness. I'm ready to be set free from the nasty. And I'm ready to live as Jesus wants me to live because I want to be used by Jesus instead of being used by the world. Amen. John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. A light will produce godly fruit. It says, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye the light and the Lord. Walk as children of light. A man can say all the right things. And there's people in here today that are saying all the right things. You know how to walk the walk. You know how to talk the talk. You know how to talk the Christian lingo. You know how to get saved and, uh, and walk the aisle and say, you know what, I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to do everything a good Southern Christian should do. We've been taught it from the beginning of time. Most of us in this room probably had a mom and a dad that had us in church, and it's so easy to sit there, you know what, I'm going to get on their coattails, and because I'm born into this, I'm just going to keep doing as I need to do, and I'm going to check off the boxes, and I'm going to do as I want, and I'm going to do this, and yet I'm going to get to go to heaven. Praise Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. 
but a man is known by his fruit. And you can give all of that today, but by your fruit are you known. What kind of fruit do you have in your life? Is it a fruit that is looking like Jesus? Even if it's a little bit. Even though you say, well, Brandon, all I got is a dried up raisin right now. <laughs> you got fruit. I'm not saying you got to be the biggest and the best. I'm saying, are you desiring the things of God and is he growing in your life? Verse 9. Before I get there, the things, the fruits, we, we, we know the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Are those the places in which we are growing more towards Jesus? Verse 9, it says, For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth. Our lives should be producing goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's all there is to it. It's pretty simple. Our lives should be producing goodness, righteousness, and truth. Flesh can produce a lot. Y'all know that? You can do a lot in the flesh. I can get up here and preach to you week after week. David can get up and preach to you week after week. Travis Humes can preach to the college kids week after week. Troy can lead the worship week after week. We can do it week after week after week after week in the flesh. We can go through the motions. Maybe even a few people will be saved. I mean, amen. But God's going to use whatever for his glory. His will is going to be done despite me. But we can do all these things in the flesh. We can come and we can sit in this church pew week after week in the week after in the flesh. We can come into this church pew and there's this church house and we can say, all right, I've checked it off and we can go right back to fighting when we get home. We can get into, I know, we all do it, I know. We can come into this place week after week after week. We can do amazing things in the flesh. But you know what you can't do in the flesh? You can't have all goodness. You can't have truth. And you can't have righteousness. There are just certain things that you cannot fake. Y'all with me? There are certain things you cannot fake. And you can trick me. You can trick everybody here. But you cannot trick our Lord and our Savior. He knows us. He sees us. And now we can pretend like I'm the holiest man in the world. I can get up here and I can pray at this altar week after week after week. And I can get right back up and go right back into my flesh. And I can do this to please you if I want to. You can come up to this altar and show that you're holy. And maybe people in this place will think you're holy. But God knows you. God knows. He knows the life that we're living you say, well, Brandon, God is supposed to accept all these things. He's love and he's mercy. You're lucky that he hadn't just blasted you right out of this earth. He has given you that mercy. He has given you that grace right now to come to him. He is extending his hand of grace and mercy to all that will come to him. All those that are heavy laden, come to Jesus. But he is not going to be happy with you living in your sin. Amen. Are we getting that? 
He wants us to come to him and to give us grace, to give us mercy, but we've got to lower ourselves enough to receive it. I mean, we're trying to cherry pick it off the tallest tree, but there's a humility that comes with following Jesus. Our lives should be producing goodness, righteousness, and truth. Flesh can produce a lot, but can't mimic those three things. Even while living in darkness, you can look like the light. However, you can't fake those three things. Sometimes we are, to, we are, sometimes we are, we look outwardly right, but we are inwardly wrong. We need to be inwardly right, which produces an outwardly right. Amen? All goodness is a heart that wants what God wants. Do you want what God wants today? Do you want what God wants in your life today? Do you want His ways and His things past yours? Do you want God's, what He has for your life today? Do you want what God wants for this church today? Do you want what God wants for your ministry today? Do you want what God wants? All goodness, righteousness, the way that we live privately and publicly. This is huge because I'm just going to be honest with you. In the times of my life when I was not living for God privately, I was a public mess. I was weak. I was burdened. I was stressed. I'm, I have no power. We have got to be a people that are living for Jesus in private. I am a believer wholeheartedly that private living for Jesus is more important than publicly. Because everything that you do in private is what then God uses for public. But so many times, that's what we're leaving out. Where we're trying to live publicly for Jesus while privately where hearts are so far from Him. Our hearts are so focused on the world. What does the world have to offer you that isn't doubled by God? The world can offer you money that you can have for just a moment in time. The world, we could get so lost in sports and we could get so lost in all these things and we can get so lost in busyness and we can get so lost in all this. You know what it ends up taking? It ends up taking your life. It ends up taking your joy. It ends up stressing your butt out. <laughs> Have we been there? Yeah, we've all been there. But what the things that God offers you are so much better. He's given you your family beside you. When your days are done, you ain't going to care anything about all the business. You're going to want more time with that family. You say, well, Brandon, I could have all the money in the world. And you say, well, when your time comes, you ain't going to care a lick about that money. But Satan is out as a roaring lion to try to take our, our distract. He's trying to distract us. He's trying to take our joy. He's trying to take our vision off of the things of God. And that's what is happening to the Christian church is because we are so looking like the world because we have looked over into that pasture and we think it's greener. And the more and more we start to strive for it, the more and more we try to get it, the more and more we try to think that that's where that, my answers come from. You get over there and it is just some bitter, nasty grass, amen? And you look back at the Father's house and it is green and it is lush and it is wonderful and you wish that you would have been there the whole time, amen? Guys, please, please, please. Listen to what God has for us. Truth. We are to be honest, reliable, and trustworthy. Speaking truth in love, even if it hurts. Yeah. 
When has that become something from the past? When we as Christians are not supposed to be the best that we can be. I was taught that my whole life. I was taught that from my grandparents in church. You name it. If you're working, you're supposed to be the best worker that you can be. You are supposed to be the best that you can be because you represent Jesus. When have we fallen into this? I can be as everybody else. When have we fallen into this trap? God wants us to be the best that we can be because he rep- we represent Him. Guys, we got to get back to common sense. Our world is losing its mind. And we got to get back to the simple things that God wants for us in our life. To walk as children of light means to live before the eyes of God, not hiding anything. Surrender the things over that are holding you back today. There are things that we need to surrender over. Verse 11, it says, Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. The Christian life should convince others to be saved. Are you convincing people that what you are around, the people of your work, the people that you're around, the people that God has placed in your life, are they better for it? Are they better for it knowing you? Is your life drawing them towards Jesus? How horrific it is when a so-called Christian lives as the world, cusses like the world, drinks like the world, does the things of the world, lives as they want in a defeated, nasty life, They go to that person who is seeking something different. They are caught up in all that mess and they are seeking something different. And you go up to them and you're talking like the world, you act like the world, you are the world and you start to try to breathe into their life, talk into their life and they say, your word carries no weight. We are to be different all the qualities of God compel they compel people to come in but all the things that we do and we're living for Satan and we're living for the world repels everybody and even if we get people in here and we tell them that they can have their sin and they can have Jesus and they can do all these things and they can live as they want to Did we give them the true Lord? Did we give them the God of the Bible? Or did we give them a God of our imagination? And that's what I want to ask each and every single one of you this morning. Have you given your life to the God of the Bible? Or have you given your life to a God of your own making and your own imagination? That's hard. And this is not the message that I really wanted to give today. But I am convinced that's where we are. Too many Christian voices carry no weight. So therefore we lower the standards of God's word to fit ours. You with me? 
Our life is not living towards Jesus, and so therefore we twist this word to conform to the world and to the life that we want. Someone shine a light. Someone shine a light this morning. I remember I had a time where my dad was a mechanic, and that's what he did his whole life, and I can't work on nothing. I, it, it skipped me. It's mostly because of me because I didn't learn like I should have. My dad was the greatest mechanic, and he could fix anything. And I remember I always had one job. Dad would call me out, and he'd say, Brandon, I need your help. And he'd be working on some old car, and he'd say, Shine the light for me, son. I'm trying to find the screw. I'm trying to find what I need. All I need you to do is shine the light. And I had one job. I had one job for my dad, and that was to shine the light where he needed it shown. To shine where he said, Brandon, this is the spot that I need you to shine it. I don't need you to look in over here, looking over there. Shine the light in which I want you to shine. And I remember the time I would be shining that light, and it would start to drift away. And he'd say, son, shine the light. I'd be like, Dad, I'm sorry. I'd be right back on it. And then he'd drift away, and I'd be looking at the ceiling somewhere. He said, shine the light. I know that this isn't an easy sermon, but Jesus is calling his people to shine the light. Amen. He said, walk wise. Look at verse 3, it's 14. I'll read on at 11. It says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Sometimes we get so loose with our lips. We talk dirty. We talk things. And it's like we need to be talking as God wants us to speak. Amen. God's even telling us there. He said, don't speak of those things which are done to them in secret. Christians, again, need to be talking right, doing right, being holy, being righteous. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awaketh thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. I don't know about you, but this is where we are today. It is like God is jumping off the page telling his people to wake up, to live for me because the days are evil. The time is nigh. We don't have much time. Wake up. We got these banners. I say rip them down if we ain't going to live for it. It is high time. It is high time, Troy, to awake out of sleep. There is a lot of sleepy Christians here this morning. There is a lot of, that the alarm is going off and we keep hitting snooze, we keep hitting snooze, we keep hitting snooze, we keep hitting snooze. And mama and our daddy is coming and he's saying, get up, get up, it's time, it is high time, get up out of bed. Because the days are nigh. The time is close. What if today, guys, 
God bursts through glory in this very second. We don't talk about the rapture. We don't talk about God's calling away. But I always love to think about it. We would be sitting here in this church house this morning and in a twinkle of an eye, God's people will be raised from the dead. And what if that was today? What if in this moment, in a twinkling of an eye, your eye blinks just a second, they open up and half this church is gone. And you sitting right where you are. See, we don't talk about that stuff much anymore. We don't preach on those things anymore because we have made our place in this world. Our pegs have been driven into this world. No longer are we looking to heaven. No longer are we looking for that great hope. No longer are we looking for the sweet by and by. We're looking for this world. And heaven is no longer looking as sweet as it should. But let me tell you something. If you're a Christian here today, heaven should be looking awfully good right about now. Guys, it is high time to wake out of sleep. And then he goes on and we see, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So not only does he say it is high time to wake up, He says that it is time to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that means? That means that you're not just like, I'm going to put my pants on. I'm putting on the Lord Jesus. I'm not just putting on my T-shirt and putting on the Lord Jesus. You know what that means? It means to indwell yourself with Jesus. It means to get a big old blanket and to cover yourself with the things of God. Amen? That's what God is saying when he says, put me on. It is time to wake up to sin. It is time to get up, and it is time to stop living as a world. Verse 15 says to walk circumspectly. That means to walk accurate, careful in the way that we represent Christ. Verse 16 says redeeming the time because our days are short. The Lord is coming, but we need to be buying up every opportunity in which we have. What about that lost person that you go to school with? What about that lost person that you work with? Brandon, somebody else will get them. Somebody else will reach them. No, that is you. And we need to be buying up every time that we have. We ain't got much longer. Those old preachers were preaching about the end times 100 years ago. I don't know when he's coming, but I know he's closer than he was. And we need to be buying up every moment that we got to spread the gospel. Our walk in this world should demonstrate that we belong to Christ. A Christian ought to walk in such a way that you know that they are a child of God without even asking them. And so today as we close, maybe you're living a life of sin this morning. Maybe you said, Brandon, I hate this message. I don't want nothing to do with it. This isn't uplifting. Come to Jesus. Because I believe wholeheartedly that you can hear this message again when you're right with Jesus and be excited about the message. Maybe you're in darkness this morning. You're living in a life that you shouldn't be. You're trying to live in both sides of the world. Come to Jesus. And maybe you're finding yourself in old habits. Come to Jesus. There is always a place in which a sinner can come. And it is at the foot of the cross 
to a Savior who loves them, to a Savior who died for them, and a Savior who shed His blood for them. There is one place that me and you can always go, and that is at the feet of Jesus. And I wholeheartedly believe that God is trying to awaken Hillcrest Baptist Church But not only is he awakening Hillcrest Baptist Church, he is calling out the sound to every Christian all over this land to wake up. And there's people here today that need to make that decision for Jesus. And what I'm going to do here in a moment is not to scare you, because I don't know if the stats are right. We can sit there and have stats all day long. We can can pretend that stats are, are a Bible. They're not. But I will give you a a word if the stats are true. We'll go back to Billy Graham in 1970 when he said what he believed the church, how many people in the church were truly saved that have given their life to a biblical Jesus and not just a Jesus that they've made up into their own mind. Back then he said he believed that nearly only 40% of the people that came down were saved. I'm not saying that's true. I wholeheartedly believe that every single one of us in this room can be saved. I hope and pray that we are. I hope and pray that each and every single one of us are on a one-way ticket to heaven because of Jesus. But if the stats are true, I'll go higher than what they believe the church is today. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying Hillcrest Baptist Church ain't different. I do believe we're different. I believe there ain't a place like this place but also believe that means we have a higher responsibility. But if the stats, we'll go higher, we'll say 50%. If 50% of the church is lost or saved, what would that look like? I think sometimes we just need to look at that. 